This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'd like to introduce our special guest, Corey Carlson. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the call. I'm thrilled to have you on today. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. <laughs> From the uh, you know the young age, I'm sure I definitely wanted to be the, the soccer player. That was my sport growing up and definitely do something like that. But when it came to actually thinking about something that was outside of sports and superhero and all those other kid thoughts, kind of like what to do, you know, I have always been just intrigued, fascinated with like buildings and skyline, skyscrapers. And so when I was in high school and good at math and was told, and I liked the, you know, that idea of buildings and development, you know, and people are like, hey, you should be an engineer. So um, I was like, oh, all right, well, I will explore engineering <laughs> and what that looks like. Right. You know, so it, it's an interesting, I guess, kind of piece because another part of that story, in a high with a high school counselor, and I believe her heart was good, her intent was good. I think she's more just cautioned me is uh, I must have had a few test scores that weren't what they needed to be, and I remember her saying that uh, ah, maybe you shouldn't do engineering. Maybe you aren't smart <laughs> enough to be an engineer. And she I didn't was like, say those oh exact words. Did, did she say those exact words? That was what I heard. How about that? That is <laughs> what I go. heard. That's all that mattered. And, and, and that's what I heard. And so it's interesting through the ups and downs of you know college and getting that civil engineering degree, there were times where I, was, I may have felt like, oh, I'm defeated. I'm not going to do well in this class. But I actually, it's about the only time in my life I was able to turn, you know, that idea of head trash, right, the, those lies, those agreements we hear, into something positive. And I was able to combat that and eventually get my civil engineering degree and get into the workforce and be a civil engineer and do some of those designs of things that I, that I like. Wow. Uh, so that would be the, the first, I guess, real job um, that I wanted to do. Uh, it was easy for me to eliminate jobs because I don't like blood, so that got rid of the whole <laughs> medical world, um, and plus some others. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And it sounds like you were a good soccer player, but maybe not a great soccer player. Yeah, I mean, I was okay for sure. I mean, uh, you know, did played in played in high school, but then when it came to college, it shifted more to just playing intramurals for the for the fraternity. We had a very competitive fraternity, and so that was fun. And then played in adult men's leagues uh, up until my late 20s. Oh, wow. So, okay. uh, very, very fun to just uh, always play soccer, and that's um, definitely been my favorite sport. Now, you mentioned civil engineering being possibly a job you wanted when you grew up. Well, what was your first actual real job where you got a paycheck? Yeah, coming in high school, had I had a job in high school, different, different things. I, I grew up in Kansas City, so the main grocery store chain in Kansas city, at least at that time was high V. And so I was a high V cashier, which as an extrovert, I, I loved, it was great. Got to talk to people and, <laughs> and made some money. Uh, so that was fun. And so I, I did that. 
there was a summer that a couple summers I actually did construction, did drywall. Wow. And I I think if my kids actually knew I did that, they would not believe me because anything handy I'm not very good at. <laughs> so, uh, but I did that, and I think that was actually a, a instrumental summer job because I didn't necessarily enjoy it. I, I didn't I didn't like that doing that labor, and it wasn't um, necessarily life-giving to me. So there were different times in those late night studying in college. It's like, no, I need to power through because I don't want to do one of, you know, more labor job that's not in my um, strengths. Yeah, it's just as important to figure out what you don't want to do as it is to figure out what you do want to do. So that's great that you realize that at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you would, tell us, what do you do today? If you would, take us from that moment of slinging drywall and going to college for a civil engineering degree, kind of walk us through your career path to what you do today. Yeah, so Kansas City is actually where I grew up, and so I ended up going to University of Missouri. And I got my civil engineering degree there, moved to Kansas City, actually met my wife in at University of Missouri, and so we moved to Kansas City to start our careers. And I began with a fantastic company, a company called Burns McDonald, and was a civil engineer and designed airport pavements, designed Air Force Base pavement, Air National Guard ba- uh, pavements, as well as um, just other pieces in the aviation space, uh, whether it's at airports and the terminals. Basically, everything outside of, of a building is what a civil engineer does, right? The pavement, the drainage. Okay, yep, pavement, bridge, drainage, yep, curves, Absolutely, and bridges, sidewalks. and storm sewer. So I did all that design, and Burns & McDonald's an incredible company. But I saw early on that I, I did not enjoy the engineering piece. Um, the actually sitting there in the cubicle doing the design. And I had communicated to my bosses and, and even uh, further up the, the leadership flagpole that I want to do something more, maybe into more management, more into marketing, sales and marketing, business development. In a very polite way, they said, hey, we'll try to accelerate it. But, you know, it's, it's engineering. We tend to be a little bit more conservative, and you got to kind of earn your stripes. One of the big stripes you got to earn is your actual professional engineering license, which you don't have until you're four years in if, if you pass the test. So they did the best that they could to, to get me in some accelerated kind of leadership programs. I had the opportunity to be in a, a leadership program where I was the only one in, in my 20s in that group. Everyone else was in their 30s, 40s, 50s. And so it was just a neat opportunity, but it still wasn't enough. So I kind of explored some different options. Hey, maybe I'll go get my law degree and become a patent attorney. And then I started to think, well, that's kind of similar to engineering from this, except Instead of sitting at a cubicle, I'll be sitting in a nice mahogany office. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe that's not a want. And I came across <laughs> a, a company, Contech Engineering Solutions. They're actually headquartered in Cincinnati, which is eventually where I you know, get to and where I live today. But I could actually do sales and marketing with, um, in the civil engineering space. So I joined Contech. By that time, I did, in fact, have my professional engineering license. I had got my MBA as well. And so I had kind of put together some, I guess, you know, some pieces that were going to help me grow a sales, basically, territory. And so I started this at with Contact in Kansas City and kind of your typical sales trajectory where I had success as a sales individual there. I grew the territory, 
a kind of typical sales company. They cut the territory in half. They put another person in there, and they say, hey, go do it again. And I <laughs> was fortunate enough to, to be able to do it again, so I got promoted, moved to Denver. And in Denver, I managed a bunch of states and a bunch of different people, and, and we were there for a handful of years, and then got promoted and moved to Cincinnati. And in Cincinnati, I was – uh, a VP of a $100 million division, absolutely loved my boss. He was a great guy. But we were traveling different directions pretty much each week. And so I just said that, hey, I, you know, I need some help. I need some leadership development help. I'm, you know, kind of mid-30s. I'm managing people older than me. I'm managing my old boss. And I just need some, I need some help. And he just was like, hey, get an executive coach. And I kind of just laughed like, it's that easy? He's like, yeah, I've, you know, I've always used an executive coach. So I did. And so that was about six years ago, six, seven years ago when I hired an executive coach and just loved the process. I mean, I read books. I listen to podcasts. I go to conferences. You know, I kind of do all those different things to bring in all those input. What I found to be so helpful in the coaching front was the accountability. So now I'm getting these inputs, but now someone's holding me accountable. Am I actually implementing them into what I was doing? You know, was I developing and equipping the people that reported to me? And I have to almost report out on that to, the, to my executive coach. So I just love that process. I then took one other corporate move where I became president of sales for a national contractor. It was a neat opportunity because we were basically trying to grow across the country, so it would be a lot of kind of greenfield-type opportunities to go grow a business. We had a neat solution. You're familiar with probably great stuff in a can like you get from a Home Depot. Well, we basically did oh, yeah, that, but on sure. steroids. We had basically rigs that would go to job sites, and you can inject this material in the soil underneath the building and it would expand like that great stuff it would displace the unwanted water it would increase the bearing capacity of the soil before you know it you are actually stabilizing the soil and you can you can lift buildings so really cool so it was, it was a fun product we did some really neat things well i had 30 people across the country reporting to me what i found is the leadership coaching those tools i had i was using on people i started to not only just coach them from a professional standpoint or lead from professional, but I also was even personally like, hey, you know, how's, how's home? <laughs> and encouraging people to start to go on dates with their spouses, start to find, make sure they're taking their vacation, making sure that they are getting their rest. And as we did that, I saw these employees go more purpose over paycheck, being more engaged. And then our bottom line actually started to increase. So I just was like, this is, this is awesome. And so about three years ago, I just got kind of put on my heart to, I just felt, hey, go into this. It was, it was scary. It was a risk because I had a great salary. I had some equity and I would be leaving that, all that, take a risk of taking a plunge into the entrepreneurial world, which I never had done or even considered myself an entrepreneur because I was kind of always a corporate guy. And my thought is I was always going to be the corporate guy in the corner office um, in the C-suite, which is, you know, what I had been and what I'd always done. So shifting into that entrepreneurial role, shifting into coaching, a lot of great conversations in our house. My wife, was we were making those decisions. And that was three years ago, eventually making it to where I am today, where I, I do just that. I have a, a coaching practice where I work with executives, business owners, 
um, on one-on-one coaching or into group coaching, speaking engagement, and actually just wrote, I mean, just wrote a book and had my book launched on June 14th. And the book went live on June 15th, titled on Amazon, and it's titled Went Home First. So what I set out to do and what I'm doing currently, I never would have predicted this path, which is why I love your podcast of Learn <laughs> From Others, because it's, I think it's by putting together this platform and people are open-minded to, to where their path may take them. I think so exciting. Yeah, no, it's really great, especially your example, because you started in such, it seemed like such a focused area, civil engineering. You really thought, that's what I want to be, and you achieve that. You get there, and then you're like, well, wait a second, this isn't exactly what I want to do when I grow up, you know, in your eyes. I need to switch gears. And then you switch gears and you succeeded again. And then yet you still wanted to switch gears. So it's, there's not a straight arrow typically in folks' career journeys. And yours is a perfect example of that, how you can continue to succeed and grow and learn new things, still challenge yourself and still succeed. So it's really cool uh, hearing your, yeah. your journey. Yeah, well, so thanks. And uh, yeah, when you look back at, yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks fun and, you know, trajectory. And if any listeners are in, in the, thinking of changing or in the midst of changing. And there was also valley times, right? There's times of, did I make the right decision? Was this the right move? Should I go back? And I definitely don't want it to mislead anybody. Hey, it's all been, you know, cupcakes and balloons, this whole journey. What I have found is as I have followed and really more clearly defined what my purpose is, then I have found these things to be more life-giving. And and I think that's the key is, you know, for each of us to kind of be open-handed to where the career path may be, as well as just be curious to what could be and not be so rigid about, hey, this is my degree or this is what I said I was going to do, and, but instead be willing to flex. Right. And now, speaking of being flexible, could you tell us, what is your typical work week like? I imagine it, there's a lot of variety there. A significant amount of variety. It seems like about every night before I go to bed, I got to re-look at the schedule of tomorrow and make sure I'm, I'm I'm ready for that day and whatever that may look like, as well as even dressed appropriately, right? Like if I've got to go to a client and it's a suit and tie or if it is a I'm working from home and I can, you know, be more casual. But a typical work day, you know, what I what I found to be the best for me on a typical work day is I like to get up at 4.45. I'll go straight to my office, do quiet time where, you know, spending some time in scripture, spending some time journaling. Um, and then also go into writing, whether it's writing practice I picked up obviously when I wrote the book, but now as I'm doing blogging and thinking of more things to kind of write, I'll do that piece. And then really from eight to five, it is a lot of different coaching calls where I'm actually with the client or even doing prospecting with, with new clients, having a lunch with maybe a potential new client. And then I, working out is also important. So on those days that I was unable to work out in the morning because I had the, uh, you know, my quiet and writing time, then I'll go to the gym about 3.30. So I just kind of look and see when I can go so I can try to get to, you know, for me, it's very important for me to get that exercise in to, to take a break and get out. So that's kind of what that day looks like. And then you should try to wrap it up five o'clock and then it's family time. So it's either going to kids, kids practices or family dinners. And then usually do not get back into the work mode until the next morning. Uh, made a big practice of not having my laptop out at home, um, you know, like on my lap when watching TV. Um, but yeah, that's typically my work day where it's um, a balance between actually execution in front of clients and then, you know, where I'm delivering versus working on developing the business 
and thinking through those kind of pieces I need to work on. No, that's great. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a civil engineer, and you actually achieved that. And we learned what you actually do today, which is a business and leadership coach. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Yeah, I, I don't know what I would do differently. That's not I bad. Think, well, you know, I, one reason <laughs> I had a conversation actually earlier today with a, a potential new client. He is a partner at one of the, you know, the big four, you know, those different companies um, the, in the consulting space, right? You got the, you know, the KPMG, the Ernst Young, you got these different companies, kind of that big four group. You know, he's a partner there, and as we were talking, he asked how the transition. I think what, what I'm very grateful for is the different experiences I've had leading up to now I can coach. It makes it relatable. There are times I had an awful boss. I had one awful boss that was all about results, all about relate, all about uh, the responsibility of what I get done. And to this day, I worked for that individual for a period of years. I am sure they have no idea how many kids I have. <laughs> or my wife's name because it's all about the results. But right. yet I'm grateful for that time because now when I'm working with a client and they are in a difficult boss scenario, I can relate because I didn't used to relate. And so when I right. look back, I've been with companies where we had to do significant layoff uh, or you know risks, reduction in forces. I had to do the furloughs where you go a week or two weeks without pay. Painful times for sure, but that's given me an experience and a perspective that now I can use in the coaching. And so that's been fun to get to do that. was involved in a company that we tried to sell, and we were unsuccessful. But it gave me experience with private equity companies. It gave me experience of trying to sell a company and not having success. There's different pieces I look back. I'm grateful for each of those, even if they were awful at the time, because they helped mold and shape me into basically the business coach that I and leadership coach I am now. So a lot of those things I'm grateful for. So it's hard to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done that different. I think the big thing that I think I wish I would have done differently outside of career, but more just who I am and what I do. There's a couple habits I do now that I, man, I wish I would have started that in my 20s <laughs> or earlier. I'm big now <laughs> in a quiet time. So, you know, not only reading, not reading scripture and journaling. I wish I would have done those earlier. So now when I work with clients and we're talking, most often I find myself just trying to encourage them to, to journal. You know, there's a great book called uh, Lead Yourself First, and it talks about the important, they make a comment in the book where leadership today, they feel is in a decline because leaders aren't having enough solitude because solitude will bring emotional balance and self-awareness. Hmm. And I see this time and time again where, even as I work with clients or just talking to people where people can lose their temper, maybe even with their kids at night and they may find themselves yelling or they lose their cool at the office. A lot of times through the journaling or through that's that emotional balance, it's a self-awareness. It, you can tell, hey, man, I'm starting to actually bubble up. I'm starting to get a little fired up here because you have that self-awareness. And so journaling has been huge. I struggle with even doing that. So what are you journaling? Your thoughts for the day, stuff that you wish you... I mean, I, I just, I struggle with journaling. So what what do you advise your clients to journal? Yeah, and every day is different for me, too, from a journaling standpoint. Um, sometimes it, I'll, I'll give some different examples. Journaling could be reading a Bible verse 
and saying, hey, how does that apply to me? Sometimes it's amazing. A word will jump out, and it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, patience. <laughs> wow, it's, it's patience. I need to be patient with the book launch. I need to be patient with, you know, getting in, involved in, you know, with different clients. And so that word may jump out. Um, a lot of times I will even journal on a book I'm currently reading and thinking about, hey, how does that apply to me, um, you know, kind of what I'm learning, and almost use the journaling as an accountability. One thing I find a lot with clients is I'll ask questions of, hey, why don't you delegate that, you know, a particular task? They'll stumble through their response, but most often it has to do with fear or control. They have fear that it's not going to get done the way that they would do it, or they have control issues, you know, they just, you know, want to make sure that it, it gets done. So, a lot of times I was having journal on even what their response was to me. Like, hey, why don't you journal on that? Why are you scared to release control? What are the, what's the real root? And sometimes in that you find their root is their identity. Their identity is tied with being known to get this job done. They like being known to be the, the man or the woman that gets this task done. Um, or, you know, what's the fear of it failing? And so those are some different pieces that I'll use in the journaling. I've also gone through seasons and encourage others where like gratitude. Wake up and what are the three things you're grateful for? Go to bed, what are the three things you're grateful for? That kind of idea because as you know, research shows the more grateful you are, you start actually looking through a lens of gratitude. You start to see all the positive things. So um, journaling is a big one that I wish I would have started earlier. The other one is I, I love to read and read business and leadership books. And I didn't. I started too late. I wish. I, I mean, not too late. All right. I still got uh, many years ahead. But I wish I would have started earlier. I mean, I wish I would have been reading in my twenties and filling up the head with knowledge of different pieces. I, the other thing I wish I would have, and I just don't say this because I'm in this space. I wish I would have engaged mentors, hired coaches sooner. Because mentors from the standpoint of not only talking to my professional life, but also talking in personal life or marriage or someone who's gone through life stages before you, how good that would be to get some of their wisdom before you have to learn on your own. Um, coaches, because accountability is I now as I talk with people. Some of the more successful people I know have had coaches for decades. Like they have, they, they, they heard that tip early on and they did it on their own or they had a boss um, give that to them. So I wish I would have done that. And even now, one I'm considering now is a personal advisory board. I, as I've kind of, you know, getting to know more and more leaders and we all know people have boards for their companies, but it's only a select few that actually have personal advisory boards. And so I'm, I'm exploring that, like, hey, that seems like something I should do. Others are doing it, um, but it's also just the, I guess, the guts to pull the trigger and start moving forward with it. So I think, you know, from a professional standpoint, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'd do anything differently because I'm grateful for all those experiences, the good and the bad. Right. And I just think more of what I would do would be, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the journaling, it's the reading, and it is the mentors slash coaches. Now let's talk to the uh, students in the audience. What advice would you give them if they want to do what you do to be a business and leadership coach? You know, first and foremost, be, I say good, I don't know, that's not necessarily the right word, but uh, at what you're doing now. You know, what you're doing now, learn people. Everything I have done, it, it's people management. So if you give your best and you're serving what you're doing, you'll get more and more leadership opportunities. And then it's managing people, it's resolving conflict. You know, kind of no matter what you're doing, I'd, I'd go all in. So back to the beginning when I was, I talked about being a, a cashier. 
at Hy-Vee. It's by working hard and being a cashier, well, then you may get another shift where someone's actually reporting to you or you get, you know, make some decisions on the floor by just being present. So many times we look ahead to not from a motivation standpoint, um, but almost from a jealousy standpoint, like, oh, I wish I was there now. I wish I was there. No, be present where you're at and excel at basically where God has you at this moment. And so do well there. And then from there, that's a good foundation of moving forward. So it's a little bit of, hey, look forward, but then obviously look down where you're at and, you know, kind of keep pounding the nail, um, you know, from that standpoint. So that would be you know, definitely one thing because I know so many people struggle with the, um, we want that instant gratification, we want that instant leadership. But a lot of times, especially starting out young, it is that the experience of doing will give you the empathy to lead those people that you that you eventually will be managing. Uh, so I think that's definitely one piece. Um, and I think the other is just be open-minded. As your podcast demonstrates, many people go a variety of paths. You just don't know exactly what your path may be. And so don't be so stubborn thinking, nope, this is what it's got to be. I, you know, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Sometimes putting together a whole life plan is, you know, it's neat to do a vision board. I understand the, the, the idea behind it. But if we're so rigid, then uh, I think we'll miss out on uh, some other cool opportunities. Yeah, yeah, that's some really great points there. And you need to have a lot of business and you need a lot of experience in your work career path to become a business and leadership coach. You know, you need to have those positives and those negatives, you know, that real world experience so you can coach folks through it when you actually are the coach and have to help out your clients in such a way. So that's great advice. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? I know you mentioned your book a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, the book, that was an enormous project. And even though it's published, the project is definitely not over. Uh, the, you know, the title of the book is Winning at Home First. And, you know, the reason I wrote the book, I mean, not only is it some of the testimony I've shared today, but it's even uh, other pieces uh, in there that kind of made me who I am today. But as I was working with clients over the last two years, I would get hired by, by clients to say, hey, can you help us with our vision and values for our company? Can you help us improve the culture at our, at our firm? Uh, can you help with the profit and loss statement? Take a look at it. I, absolutely, I do all those things. But when I started getting on phone calls with these business owners with these executives and talking one-on-one, basically like in private, <laughs> what actually was keeping them up at night really had nothing to do with the company. It had more to do with how do they engage more with their spouse? How can they be more involved in their kid's life? How can they lose 10 pounds? How can they drink less? And so I kept finding myself saying, hey, we're going to work on all these business things. Absolutely. But in order to do that, we're going to have to win at home first. And so I started going down this path with all my different clients of, you know, working on things at home, but also at the same time attacking the need that we have at the, at the company. And about a year ago, I had some different clients say, maybe you need to write a book. I finally kind of had the guts to do it, um, started putting together different blogs I'd already written plus new content, but kind of, kind of put it together, got to the point last June had about a 50,000 word by mess. <laughs> I hired a writing coach. I actually hired a writing coach who's an amazing guy. Actually, Chad Allen, who has been a guest on your uh, podcast before. Oh, yeah. Yep. He was amazing. It was the accountability. Hey, make sure you, you, you write this week. And it was plus a review of the content. Hey, you know, this sounds, you need some more comments here that are geared towards women. Okay, great. 
you need some over here that are more positive. They're just all negative, okay? And so it just gave me a great perspective to balance out the book to make it more reader-friendly. And so that was last summer I hired him. So over that whole year was writing the book and finalizing it to now what it is. It's a book. It's four parts. first one's on, you know, you, understanding your identity, understanding how do you almost do like self-care and some really cool frameworks and content that I learned over the years that we walk our clients through. Second part's on marriage, which is the, you know, the most important relationship in, in the home. And then the second or the third is on parenting, some different things that we have experienced in our home from parenting that work as well as you, know, you even see it from uh, basically research and data of, of balancing both the, the relationship as well as that responsibility and some other things that have worked well. Last piece is on work. And how do you equip and empower your team? And so that is the the four parts of the book. And, man, it's just been really fun getting some really positive feedback early on from uh, folks I obviously know, but even folks I don't know, um, which has been just a huge, you know, huge blessing. And, you know, just continue to share it. So now the current project is promote the book. It's getting involved in podcasts. It's speaking in you know, with different companies or small groups or churches or employers, whatever that may be. So it's kind of balancing that, hey, how do I grow the business and do the different speaking? Um, and it's just continuing to write. And I think we're all in that social media kind of marketing game where it's like, got to post a lot, but then you post and it feels like nothing's ever seen or read. Then other times you post and it seems like it is noticed. So it's, that's the project right now. Say, how do I? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> when you sell a book, the royalties on selling a book are very low. But the reason I wrote the book is to reach more people, to have greater impact um, in other people's lives. There's a lot of neat tools that help me be a better man, a better leader, a better husband, a better father that I learned from mentors, from coaches. And so it, the book's got a lot of vulnerability in it. Um, it kind of opens up, uh, opens up, my story it opens up my family story and i did that all at the risk but yet the reward of impacting others hand you know handing my story over for a greater story and so um, even though the royalties are low i want to sell as many books as possible because that means people are getting impacted by the content and that's that's why i did the journey that's why i did the project so that's the that's the current one and it's it's been fun yeah that's really great yeah looking forward to reading it well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And you know I'm a huge car enthusiast. So could you tell me, what was your first car? My first car that, well, the first car I was driving that my parents you know, allowed me to drive was a, believe it or not, a station wagon. Who gives a high school kid a station wagon? Smart. Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> my next car was a hand-me-down from my grandma, which was a... Like I think a 1986 Buick Skylark. <laughs> so that was uh, those were the first cars that I had. Wow. Well, what's your dream car if you have one? Man, I don't know if I. You know, I don't know if I <laughs> necessarily have a dream car. Thank goodness, because they get expensive. I love that nice fancy SUV. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, I'm not an old necessarily car right. nostalgia i don't even know like you know the different you know hey that's a 1955 and you know I, I just i don't never really paid a lot of attention to it but 
Yeah, I mean, if I, I think if I ever look at a car and like, oh man, you know, it's I fall in that trap of that loaded Range Rover, the loaded kind of, you know, those Tahoe, just like all that. <laughs> I think that's kind of where I end up going if I had to say, hey, here's my dream car. Right. Well, some jobs have a really great perk called a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car based on your job. So I looked at the coaching aspect of your job. So I don't know if you know this or not, but back in the day. They were the cars were known as coach built cars. Basically, what that meant is the high end car manufacturers like Rolls Royce and Bentley and even Cadillac, Chrysler, believe it or not, back in the day, you could get just the chassis and you could take the chassis, the drivetrain, the engine, and everything and take it to a coach built builder and they would put on a custom body for your car. So they're really cool, really rare. But the car I picked for you, because I was thinking, all right, performance, because you're trying to help people perform better in all aspects of their lives. So I wanted something that was high performance. I wanted something that was coach built. And so the car I picked for you is a 1963 Bentley Continental S3, I believe. So that car was the last coach built Bentley ever built. And it was actually one of the fastest cars in the world at the time. It doesn't sound fast now, but it was very fast at the time. And uh, that's the car I picked for you based on your job. Man, I love that car. I mean, I mean, I didn't know the car until you explained all those things. But just by your description, I uh, I absolutely <laughs> love that. I mean, obviously, that we I love how you tied it into the coaching, the Bentley. I love the performance. That's good. I yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, thanks for thanks for the car. So don't hold your breath. But uh, you know, if I get all the money in the world, it'll be on your driveway one day. Man, all right, let's go. Let's <laughs> so. go. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today, Corey. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you, your book, and your company? Yeah, great. Well, first of all, Greg, just thank you so much for having me as a guest. I just love what you're doing and, and really just trying to kind of open up everyone's eyes to just different paths. Super neat. So thanks for letting me be a part of it and talking to, to your audience. When at Home First is the book. It is on Amazon and available. And then my website is Corey M, as in Michael carlson.com so c-o-r-y-m and carlson c-a-r-l-s-o-n and so that's the website contact information i send out a weekly email to clients and friends and other just readers that are basically leadership lessons that i'm learning or teaching to clients uh, along the way so it's been fun to to share that and get positive feedback so if anything it's a it's a free resource uh, for your listeners to to grab a hold of. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.